and welcome to Kidmin Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian. Well, I've got a special guest in the studio here today for our 69th episode. Many of you will know him as one of our Kidology coaches, but Barney Kennard was a children's pastor for 10 years and then has spent the last 40 years as a full-time children's evangelist. This has sent him on many adventures to Mexico over 20 times, to India five times where he just got back, to Pakistan, Estonia, Vanuatu, Panama. In fact, uh, he has been a children's evangelist with the Lewis Palau Evangelistic Association. But in addition to presenting the gospel to countless children individually, his passion is also equipping and encouraging others in how to do this effectively. So we're going to take some time today to talk about how to lead kids to Christ. So get comfortable, relax, and get ready to talk about how to lead kids to Christ with Barney Kennard right here on Kidmen Talk. Barney, it is great to have you here. Thanks for taking this time to join me on the podcast. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much. I want to dive right into our topic of leading kids to Christ. It's one I'm passionate about. As I've shared at other times, I'm uh, a result of your ministry, coming, mm. getting my call to ministry in one of your meetings as a 10-year-old boy. Mm. Um, but I don't want to take time to share that story here. If others haven't heard that, uh, they can just go into Kidology and go to the show notes for this podcast and and click on the link there about my ministry calling and, and read that really uh, neat story. I know I came to Christ as a child. I was a young boy. Uh, my mom was off in the hospital having my sister. And uh, so my spiritual birthday is my sister's spiritual birthday. So I know it was October 13th, 1972, because the lady I was staying with was named Candy Kroll. I was led to Christ by Candy. So I'm very pro Candy. And a uh, neat story that's also written up in my testimony, and I'll link that in the show notes, so I won't, I won't take the time to, to share my neat story, other than to say that I was led to Christ as a child, and so I very much understand the difference it makes in your life. And I understand that's your story, too? Well, that's actually my story. I, uh, I was led to Christ through the influence of a lady down the street who was my neighbor. She uh, was, had a good news club in her home. And uh, my family gave permission to her for me to come to her home with my brother and my sister. Her um, name wasn't Sugar or Candy or no. Lollipop. She or... had a good news club and she taught the Bible. Um, and uh, mostly Philanograph, as I remember. That was but, cutting edge, though. No, that, at the time, it was. I'd never seen anything like it. She told many, many stories. One day she told a story about a boy whose name was Barney. And he lived in a barrel. And I, <laughs> I thought she was talking to me the whole time. And, of course, she was. And I accepted Christ as my Savior in her living room um, after club on that Thursday afternoon. So I began being very interested in Sunday school and church from that point on. And I got myself a Bible and began to start reading it and studying it and learning questions, learning answers to questions. One day I got sick. She invited me to her house to convalesce there. And she gave me a book to read while I was there. It took me three or four days to read this little book called The Boy from Northfield. It was the life of D.L. Moody as a children's story. And I took all four days to read it. I wasn't a very good reader at the time. I remember wanting to be like that man, Dwight L. Moody. And that was the first seed I had in my own life, that to be an evangelist was something that God might have for me. Then later, I led my first child to Christ as a senior in high school. And then I went off to Moody Bible Institute, not, not realizing the connection that I had previously experienced as a child. And then uh, at Moody, I, I began to get really serious about ministry and had a release time class and led some kids to Christ in the release time class. And um, I was experiencing all different kinds of ministry during those, those years. Now, our parallels are amazing, if you don't mind me interrupting real quick. I'll show you right here. Pulled it right off my bookshelf. 
here's my book about Dale Moody. Yeah. That uh, one of those little fat chubby books where every other page is a picture so I loved it as a boy because it didn't yeah. have a lot of words um, but the stories in here of what Moody did to reach kids inspired yeah. me as a young boy to where I, I have had this book since yeah. I was a little boy and uh, the other thing that just I resonate with my mother was led to Christ by a Moody student in a release time oh, really? experience she was an inner wow. city poor little girl and it was a boy named Jerry a Moody student who mm. in the 50s uh, was on a similar assignment yeah. and he led her to Christ. Well because of my childhood conversion I really understood that a boy or a girl could accept Christ. So at the age of nine, ten years old I, I ex accepted Christ and began to really live for Jesus. It was D.L. Moody that simply said if I had my life to live over again I would I would serve my whole my whole career would be focused on evangelizing children. And, and here's a guy who was the Billy Graham of a hundred years ago. Sure. Led countless people to Christ on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just some schmo that says, ah, you know, if I have my life to live over, this is a guy who had an incredible kingdom impact. Yes, that's Saying true. if he had his life to live over, he, he, would mm -hmm. have, he would have devoted it to children. What an incredible quote. So really, my, my children's evangelistic work really was foddered and growing in, in, in my experience at Moody, but it really didn't start aggressively until I left Moody. Because I came to California and then I began to start working in churches. I began to get burdened for children, like I had a burden for children myself. Began to get opportunities to talk to children and I would look for more creative ways to do it. And then first thing you know, I had an opportunity to talk to a big group of kids and I needed a big, a big uh, event to do it. And so I got this barrel and told the story of Barney's Barrel, which is what I heard when I was a kid. And so um, the paint was still tacky and wet uh, when I walked into Children's Church and did this program for a couple hundred kids. Well, and I'll post a picture in the show notes with your permission of you in the barrel. Oh, oh you have? I have, <laughs> the, I have that picture. And, um, and I remember as a young 10-year-old boy, um, the five-day meetings we had at Bellflower Baptist. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and you came, and I, I thought you'd lost a poker game or something, huh? but you, you came in in that barrel <laughs> yeah, and uh, pulled all your tricks out, out of barrels, and I was just mesmerized. I did figure out a few of your tricks. I went home, and I built them, and, and uh, like the, the sin blocks. Yeah. And but I didn't didn't have big block. I have my original sim blocks. Oh, I, I should really? probably find it and show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But I had I had to take two by fours, nail them together, then saw them. Then paint them, mm -hmm. and uh, figured out that trick. Performed that for my family and my friends. But it was at the end of those days that I decided I'm going to be like this guy too, and I'm going <laughs> to become a children's evangelist. So, and years later, of course, you you didn't even know this until years later when I was no. a children's pastor at Moody Church, and you came to visit your daughter at Moody, and I said, "Hey, come there, speak there in my kids' were. church," and I shared that story and. Got to see a grown man cry when he yeah. heard me telling that story. Well, yeah, let's it, dive it, into our topic because obviously we both are passionate about it because we're products mm -hmm. of someone believing that a child can receive Christ. When I do uh, a workshop on children's ministry, I often will start out with um, the theological underpinnings of the fact that kids can uh, receive Christ. I think our listeners wouldn't argue that point, so I don't want to spend time there. Other than to say that there are people out there who question whether kids can yeah. come to faith in Christ and whether they theologically can and they'll debate the age of accountability. I was just at a conference at Moody this last weekend. The professor of children's ministry there, her name is Elizabeth Smith. Her husband spoke and I, I forgot his first name, Mr. Smith, did a great job of handling that age of accountability and said, you know, the age of accountability is unknown because it's it's different for each individual person. Mm -hmm. But it is the age at which you understand that you're a sinner and you need a savior 
And um, that age can be as young as four as it was for me. You said nine for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At that age that someone knows that, that they are lost and need to be saved, then it's our job to point them the way that they can come to Christ and, uh, and, and turn things around. And so let's talk about leading kids to Christ. When you present the gospel to kids, mm-hmm. what, what, is it, what, is it, what are the important elements? Obviously, we can overcomplicate the gospel. There is a lot of deep theological implications of redemption and, you know, uh, and, you know all these, um, you know, we have a word, big word for it, soteriology, and you can take a whole course in it. But when it comes to children, you know, what are those pieces that we need to mm-hmm. include? You know, what, what would be your advice to someone? They've got a kid to talk to. What do they do? Well, the short answer is, is that it's not what we do. It's who we believe. Amen. And Jesus is looking for those who have faith in him. So to present Christ in such a way that they believe in him means that they accept what he did on the cross for them personally. And that by inviting Christ into their life to take over their life, to, to be in char- for him to be in charge of their life, is really a matter of, of spiritual birth. It's, a, it's being born again. It's, it's not physical birth, it's spiritual birth. So the Spirit of God does this work in a person's life. The evangelist is trying to work with the Holy Spirit and look for those who are responding by faith in, in the message and in the person of Jesus. Now it needs to be a recognition of sin, though. Right. Because yes. uh-huh. I, I was at an evangelistic meeting. Actually, we had someone come into my church once as a children's pastor. He did a fabulous job. Everything was great. But when he got down to the gospel presentation, his invitation was to come forward if you want to say yes to God. Mm-hmm. And I and I was kind of like, ah, because, um, you know, what does yes to God mean? You know, right. James says even the demons say yes to God, in a right. sense, right. and they shudder. And so th- there are some components Right. Um, that need to be a part of that gospel message, you know, an, an acknowledgement of sin, a, a need for a savior. Yes. Um, so if you, if I were to say I'm a little kid, I'm a little Carl, yep. and I was a bad little boy, and so I've I've just watched your flannel graph presentation of the heaven and hell and the arrow and the Jesus and the cross, um, or the sin blocks gospel illustration or something, and I've come forward because I I've responded to something. Can we do this? I didn't tell you this. Can we just role play? <laughs> We can do that. Role play. And I'll play along. Mm-hmm. I'll try to be a little boy. Lead me to Christ. What, what, what would you do? I probably would ask you, what would you like to ask Jesus to do for you today? I'd like Jesus to come in my heart. That's very good. Have you ever done that before? Maybe. Well, let's be sure you have. It's really important that, that we take care of that matter so that it really is clear to you. So to ask Jesus into your life, he, said, he gives us a verse in the scriptures that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. So what am I doing? You're knocking. I'm knocking. So if Jesus is knocking at the door of our life and wants to come in, what has to happen in order for him to come in? I have to open the door. Yeah, so somebody has to open the door. The point is, is that, that that imagery of opening the door is is you're willfully inviting him in. And he says, if he stands at the door and knocks, and you open the door, I will come in to him. So the idea is, is that you have to open the door, and if you invite him in, then where is he? He's on the inside, right? So let's be sure you've done that. Um, What I'm going to suggest you do is we're just going to ask Jesus to come in right now. You can pray out loud right after me. As As I pray, you pray. So here's the prayer. Dear Jesus... 
Dear Jesus, I know I've done many things wrong. I know I've done many things wrong. I'm really sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I learned today that you died on the cross for my sins. I learned today that you died on the cross for my sins. You have been knocking on the door of my life. You have been knocking on the door of my life. I want to let you come in. I want to let you come in. Right now, I open the door of my life to invite you in. Right now, I open the door. Open the door of my. That's of too my, long, Mr. Barnes. Door of my life door to invite life you in. To invite you in. That's hard to say this, isn't it? I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life right now. I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life right now. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me to learn more about you. Help me to learn more about you. Help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. Help me to go to Sunday school and church. Help me to go to Sunday school and church. Thank you for helping me to know. Help. Thank you for helping me to know. That you now live in my life. That you now live in my life. Thank you that I will be in your forever family. Thank you that I'll be in your forever family. Thank you for answering my prayer today. Thank you for answering my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to break out of character. And I didn't do a kid voice. What I like about this prayer, it's similar to the one that they'll find in the notes that I'll put in the show notes, is um, there's a transition that takes place there. That's right. Because And it's from asking for salvation mm -hmm. to expressing that it's past tense. Right. There's a future tense and a past tense. I had a little girl years ago who came to me after... You know, I had led some kids to Christ, and I was all excited. And she came up to me a little confused and and just very politely asked me, you know, when could she expect him to come, you know? And, um, and I felt silly saying, well, he already came. But she kind of felt like she'd missed it. And I don't know if she was expecting tingles down her back or tongues of flame to appear above her head. or She didn't know what she was expecting. And that's when I began to add um, in the prayer... Thank you for forgiving me. Now help me live for you. And I always say every day in every way, even when it's hard, because it has sure, a nice sure. little rhyme nice to it. But uh, that transition is very important. And I like that um, that you had an articulation of the basics of the gospel in there. An acknowledgement of sin, acknowledgement of what Christ did. I learned today. Um, See, that, all this presents, assumes a presentation of the gospel yeah. prior to the in our prayer, of yeah. course. But I think it's important you're dealing with assurance. You're dealing with you know, several help me statements. There's an outside, inside idea of that. There was Jesus is on the outside of my life. Now he's on the inside of my life. So we acknowledge that. Now where is he? So at the finish of the prayer, I would say now, where, where did you ask Jesus to come? And you would say? Inside. Okay, you would ask him to come into your life. Now, now, do you use the expression um, asking Jesus into my heart? I know a lot. There's some debate on that. Some people feel there, like there's kids, a lot of debate on. But kids feel like it's very literal. I, I had, I was, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was little, and I was four, and and uh, I, I know the old joke. The little girl went to the doctor, and the doctor's checking her eyes and her nose and her mouth, and and when he puts the stethoscope up to her heart, um, and he says, you know, what do I hear? And she says, oh, that must be Jesus. I have Jesus in my heart and Elmo on my underwear, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, kids are very, very literal, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know if it was just because of the way it was explained to me, you know, I didn't, I didn't think Jesus was actually physically, literally in my heart. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that meant into my life. Um, do you use that phrase or do you encourage people to use in my life or well, to Bible be my actually, boss or my Lord or? The Bible actually uses the word heart great, a great deal. Over 600 uh, times. Uh, there's, there's, there's lots of references. So to say that uh, that's a wrong statement, I think is, is also wrong. 
But I understand that the people that say things like this are really talking about life commitment and, and surrendering one's life to Christ. And so I typically say both. I say, you need to invite Christ to come into your life. And when I say that to children, sometimes they say, into my heart, because that's what they, they think it means. So I just say both. Yeah. Um, I don't overly say one or the other. I say both. And uh, like when I'm illustrating the scriptures, I'm talking about having Christ inside you as, a, as opposed to being on the outside looking in to your life. It's probably important to use many metaphors to say this means he's going to be the leader of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what the Lord of your life means. Lord meant like a king, a leader of your mm-hmm. life. And probably the more ways you say it, the better, mm-hmm. because you're rounding out a, a, an overall picture of what that means. And then you're going the to follow The more literal Christ. response would be the younger child. Mm-hmm. So that's why you would want to introduce it in a broader way as you get older. Um, changing metaphors and the same message sometimes is difficult unless you explain the metaphors well. Because I may come and share how you need to be one of, one of the sheep of his flock, and someone else <laughs> might come and say you need to be born again, and they don't know that that's the same experience we're talking about. Yeah. So just as Jesus used many metaphors, we also use many metaphors. But the point and th- thing is, is, if you're working with the same child for a long period of time, you begin to start explaining metaphors to them. And they begin to start getting in a bigger picture of what Jesus did when he... I mean, for years we unpacked what Jesus did for us on the day of salvation. That, that's very common. Um, you know, um, s- senior saints are still learning yeah. more and more metaphors. Yeah, and I, and I think breaking it down to a simple presentation that you know well... Um, I'm amazed how many adults, Christian leaders, struggle to explain the gospel. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's where it's important that they they can do that for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, the simple ABCs, you know, mm-hmm. saying it's as easy as the ABCs. The A is admit, and again, you can look at the notes in the show notes. The B is believe. Mm-hmm. And the C, some people use confess, for confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Um, I use commit um, your life to the Lord. It shows that commitment, same letter C, because often the, the word confess confuses kids. They think to confess means like they're confessing a sin. They don't mm-hmm. realize the word confess literally means to say it. That's what yeah. that uh, verse means. But um, but having those ABCs down um, is 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 uh, is helpful. Or the a bridge illustration, or having some presentation that they uh, that you really get down, so that when you have an opportunity to accept Christ, um, you kind of have your go-to method. So you're not beating around the bush um, and confusing the child. Right. I think it's really important that we become really clear about what our receiving Christ actually is and how to, how to do it. Now, are you a big fan of the wordless book? I love the wordless book. Well, that's one of many methods. Um, uh, pictures is one, uh, colors is one way of sharing the gospel. And you can go crazy with the wordless book. I mean, uh, everyone knows the basic colors. Many people don't know the wordless book was originally a sermon for adults mm-hmm. written by Spurgeon. Right. We have his original wordless book, or he didn't call it that, but his his color sermon. It's on Kidology to search wordless book, and you'll find it. I can link it in the show notes. And then Child Evangelism added um, some colors. Spurgeon just had black, white, and red. And CEF came along, and you know they added the green and the yellow. Yeah. And then lately, people have been adding blue. Um, yeah. I've seen all kinds of things for blue. It can be a baptism, or it can be Jesus coming in the sky. Um, but uh, well, colors is one way to do it's it. It's fun. I mean, you and there's so many color objects. So I've done a wordless book with umbrellas, with gloves, with toys, with with stacking cups. Um, and of course, you can add purple for royalty and 
and brown for um, Jesus became a man and came to earth. And uh, the, the fun one is the orange, orange glad Jesus died. You know? <laughs> so um, you can have a lot of fun with that. But what are some of your other favorites? Well, I, I do a lot of gospel magic and object lessons. I'm always interested in trying to share an object lesson that has a little bit of a twist to it or a surprise element, which then leads it into a little bit of magic. Storytelling is a great way to lead yeah. kids to Christ. Telling a, telling a good story and then having a good moral to it. Uh, or a point or a lesson that ties into some scripture passage. Yeah, it'd be great in the show notes. I'm going to ask people that are listening to, you know, go to the forum discussion. And if you've got a favorite magic trick or object lesson that you use with the gospel, uh, share that if you've got a link to it. You know, I know um, I love using the hat tears. You can buy those at a magic shop and it's a lot of comedy with it, but the kids rip it all up. You talk about how sin tears up our life, destroys God's original plan, and you you take those pieces, you put them in God's hands, and then um, God wants to do more than just fix our lives. He wants to make us into, into mm-hmm. something even better than we were before. And as you us. And as you undo that, the old is gone, the new is coming, and you put a hat on, on the kid. Always pick a girl for that, because the boys don't appreciate having a little flower hat on them. Um, you know, cut and restore, you know, which is not a hard magic trick to learn, mm-hmm. is a beautiful illustration of the perfection you talk about Adam and Eve, you cut that rope in half, it's broken, then you, you you pretend to tie a knot, and you keep trimming the knot with good works, giving money, all those things, and uh doesn't work. And then, of course, you, you can use a red silk to slide the knot off. I'm giving it away a little bit. and um, But then the red is atonement and a covering and forgiveness and washing away our sins, and the, the rope's restored. And mm-hmm. uh, I know one of my favorites is yours. That's the heart on the rope. And uh, you could describe that briefly if you want, but that's a wonderful illustration. It's a single rope, and you lay it over the top of a a heart, and then you proceed to wind the rope around the heart and through the hole in the center. And then you have two people come up and hold it, and then you talk about how the sin is is tied to us and that we can't get free from it by ourselves. And the harder we try, the more difficult it is. So our two people give a little tug. But then you bring out a, a red scarf, and you lay it over the top, and you talk about how Jesus provided a covering for our sin, that if we would invite him to come into our life, then he would forgive us and make us ready to be with him. And so the, then you take the scarf off, and then you proceed to take the, take the heart completely off. The, the heart rope, just comes right off. It comes yeah, right it, off, like you lift it up off the rope, and now the knot. And then you're free to live the life that God intended you That's to live. Exactly yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic tricks. So I, w- I would love to hear uh, in the forum discussion some of the some of your favorites on there. Uh, I love stories. I love using um, uh, story illustrations. Um, one I used for, I mean, I wrote it when I was 10 years old, so I've been using it for years. We just published is Andy and the Ants. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and, a good story. Um, and that's the parable of a little boy who wanted to save an anthill. And only way he could get the message to them about a construction project coming that would destroy them was to become an ant. And he goes to their ant hill, and some believe, and some don't believe, and he explains some miracles, and um, but finally has to leave. He has to get home before his parents ground him. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, he explains uh, that he's going to go to his father's house and prepare a place for them. And if he goes, he will return, so they can be where he is. And it's a great uh, parallel. Um, but so many great gospel stories. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really important when we share the gospel, whether it's a story or an analogy or whether it's a metaphor. That we really do kind of rehearse the death, burial, resurrection, and the appearance of Christ. Uh, the scriptures say that um, the power of the gospel, um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, whenever we are sharing the gospel, we're experiencing that power. 
and, and by allowing it to have its impact in the life of those that he has prepared to respond, I think, I think that's, that's amazing. Um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, it's a spiritual warfare. Amen. And the Spirit of God has to prepare the hearts of the hearers. And our job is to present the good news. That Jesus is not dead. That he is alive. That he was the Son of God. That he died for our sin. That he was buried to prove that he was dead. And that he came alive from the dead, which was a miracle. And if he wasn't dead, then we'd have a hard time explaining his yeah. life. And using scripture is so powerful. Yeah. I've been amazed times I've heard the gospel presented without scripture. Hmm. Uh, and it really makes it um, more of a human effort. Um, I just want to share a couple of passages, and, and there's more of these in, in, the, sh in the show notes, but um, the download of that workshop. But Isaiah 55, you know, 10 and 11, where, where um, the prophet says, as the, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know, that, that's God saying, you know, the rain, it, there's a result when it's used, when it comes. And uh, same with his word. And, and of course, you know, we all know Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like fire, like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. Um, you know, you're dealing with a hard-hearted kid or a difficult child or uh, could be adult for that matter. Um, we could we could talk to our blue in the face. But scripture has a way of, of breaking through and um, but one of the things I, I believe I saw you do years ago um, that I thought was wonderful and I've been doing it um, ever since is to help kids personalize scripture is to put their name in it mm -hmm. and um, we all know John 316 I would imagine everyone listening to this knows John 316 um, so let's have a little fun with this if you're riding your bike or in your car or in your office close the door maybe pause close the door um, but to say John 3.16, but to change uh, the world to your name. You know, so instead of for God to love the world, I, I'll say Carl. And you say Barney. Okay. And, uh, and then instead of whosoever, you change it to the name. And you can put this in a PowerPoint up on a screen. You can put it in a gospel track. You can ask a child one-on-one. -on -one. When you read this verse, instead of the world, I want you to say your name. And instead of whosoever, I want you to say your name. And we'll just see if we can do this uh, on the podcast. So you're, you're on your... You're on your word here, folks out there, uh, to say John 3.16 with us. You're going to hear Barney and I say our names over each other, and you're going to join us. So here we go. John 3.16. For, For God, God so loved Carl that he, he gave his, his one and only son, that if Carl believes in him, he shall not perish, perish but have, have eternal life. life. And everyone's going to have different versions and translations. I think um, I use King James. Yeah, but when a kid <laughs> reads that, it, it makes it real. You know, it's not it's not whosoever. It's not some nameless person out there. The world's pretty big. Um, or they might be picturing a globe. They might be picturing a big blue and green ball. It's not... He didn't die for a big green blue ball. He died for them. That That's a great way to um, to, to uh, explain the gospel. So, so kids... Leading kids to Christ is important. Keeping it simple. Having it defined. Using scripture. Putting the decision on the child, you said, that, that they invite them in. So they pray that prayer. Um, then what? Um, what? What? What do you do? What do you do now? So I, I prayed that prayer, little little Carl here, and um, their little head comes up. Um, now what? What I typically do is to ask where Jesus is now. Where did you ask him to come? And they'll usually say inside. That usually affirms what the prayer was about. 
and then I actually show them five fingers on my hand. I usually hold up my left hand and point to each finger. I will never leave you. This is a statement that's from the scriptures. And um, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you don't feel so good, does that mean Jesus leaves you? No, because he said, I will never leave you. So I use my fingers to use for review and to help them with assurance. So if they do something wrong, uh, does that mean that Jesus leaves them because they do something wrong? No, because he no. said, I will never leave you. What happens if you get big and you get pulled over by a policeman and you get a ticket? Does that mean that Jesus will never leave you? Yes, it means he'll never leave you even if you do something wrong. I will never leave you. Then I, then I proceed to show them the Born Again Birthday book. Uh, this is a book that we wrote and we've been using it for years. And um, it's available on Kidology and people can, you probably be in the show notes, you can get a hold of it. But it's a booklet that basically recover, re reviews what they've already done. After you pray with the child, then they can go through this booklet. And it's oh, I love of, the certificate. It's like yeah. a birth certificate. Right. On this date, their birthday, I was born to my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. But on this date, I was born into the family of God. Right. And it reviews six gifts that you get when you receive Christ. Actually, Lewis Berry Schaefer said, there's 33 things that happen to you when you invite Christ into your life. But I, I just reduced it down to six just for as an introduction. Well, it's a great analogy of a birthday party because yeah. you're born, you're celebrating. Right. And the best thing about a birthday party is you get presents. So yeah. what are these six presents? The six gifts are you, know, you receive the gift of uh, eternal life. Yeah, you know, the gift of the Bible, the gift of Christian friends. Well, I have a boarding birthday book here, Barney. Oh, you got one? I keep oh. them handy. Yes, okay. Because you never know when you're going to need one of these, and you, everybody sure. listening should have a stash of these yeah, yeah. available. You volunteer, to lead someone to Christ, you get to, and it goes through the gift, but it's the gift of eternal life, Holy Spirit, prayer, the Bible, Christian friends, and then the armor of God. Right. It's really important that we understand that, that a child needs some memorable... Uh, peace to be able to uh, remember their decision and uh, we encourage them to keep it and uh, be able to share with anyone who uh, hears about their decision they can talk about it and use the book to kind of review it. And then the other wonderful thing I like about that there's a note to mom and dad which I think is very helpful for um, especially if, you, if a child comes to Christ uh, who's not from a Christian home and they come home blabbing in kids lingo about what they've done and they've made this religious commitment the parents are a little like eh, what is this? It's just a very nice, uh, simple explanation um, for, for a parent. And then there's there's six memory verse cards in the back. And that's the six gifts that are mentioned yeah. in the book. And so that you can do a little follow-up um, scripture memory work. So we we'll encourage people to actually go to the home and actually review it in detail with the child. Um, it's a way of, of helping to underline the decision they've made. Well, I think, one for me, one of the biggest things after that prayer is enthusiasm. Um, you know... This is not just another day in a child's life. This mm -hmm. is the day that changed their eternal destiny. So you don't just say, all right, well, good job. Go back to your seat. You know, here's a sucker. Um, you know, Romans 12, 15 says we're to rejoice with those rejoice. I mean, Luke 15 uh, has two stories, you know, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And I love Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save He'll take great delight in you. He'll rejoice over you with singings. I mean, um, there's celebration in heaven, um, mm -hmm. Luke 15 says, over even one person who is saved. So I'll often tell kids, God's more excited about you right now than the other 99 kids out there. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them, but they're, you know, if they're already saved, he's not worried about them. He's been worried about you. I've, I've picked kids up and spun them around. We've had the whole 
room applaud and I've made every kid give them a high five. We just try to just be full of, of enthusiasm uh, over that. I think one of the other things we should briefly talk about is, is how to be ready. You know, I think a lot of people go, I don't have the, the gift of evangelism. Barney, I'm not like you. I'm not a full-time professional children's evangelist. I've, I haven't been on all these mission trips and everything. But this is something that's for all of us. What are some ways that um, your everyday, average, um, not gifted evangelist children's worker can be ready to share the gospel um, with kids? You know, we know that uh, Paul prayed for open doors. You know, he prayed in Colossians 4 that we're to devote ourselves to prayer and to pray for open doors that we can, you know, proclaim with clarity. So that, you know, it's something that it's for all of us. Well, I think we need to be ready with some methodology. In other words, we have a method that we might have a pocket tool, like a wordless book, or some some other form, like an Avenger Cube. There's lots of various presentations you can well, use. Flip tracks. We got the U-turn yeah. card pocket edition now. There's so many. No, there's several. There. There's several really good things on the market today that we could get a hold of easily. But having adopted something and have it ready, because there may be an opportunity to present Christ to, to on one-on-one. Uh, maybe having a child stay after class if they're responding and responsive and you can talk to them personally. Um, have, um, have a kind of a sample prayer that you kind of learned or you have it available to you, like a tuck it in your Bible, and if you have an opportunity to lead a child to Christ, at least you can remember the prayer. Um, I think having a good, clear understanding of what the gospel is so that you can be always relating to that and your other, whatever your presentation is is important. Um, ask God to help you to find children that need to know Christ, that you could, and pray for opportunities, um, and God will give them to you. And I think having a sensitivity that that this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get asked to speak at places, the number one topic is usually discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, working with kids can be challenging. Sure. Um, but... One of the delights for me in ministry has been how many times a quote-unquote discipline problem has turned into a child coming to Christ. You know, um, a kid was sent to me because he was misbehaving. Mm -hmm. And and as though there's supposed to be some trick or technique or behavioral modification thing I'm supposed to do to get this kid to behave well. And um, as I've said many times on podcasts where we've talked about discipline, I have no interest in kids behaving. I have interest in ch- changed hearts. And I've used those opportunities to sit down with a child and they, well, what'd you do? And they tell them what they did. And and um, and I'll ask them, you know, if they know what the fruit of the Spirit is. And sometimes they'll rattle off all nine. And I'll say, no, I don't want you to name. I want you to tell me what they are. You know, what, what, what are they? And they'll usually say, in fact, a lot of adults will say this, they're the things we're supposed to work on in our life. And I'll say, actually, they're not. They're, they're things that are supposed to automatically happen in our life that the Holy Spirit produces. So um, I'll take them to um, Galatians 5, and we'll read those. I'll say, you know, your teacher may not, you may, may have never showed you that there's, a, there's another list in this chapter, and it's the fruits of the flesh. Now, we don't like that because it's got orgies and it's got debauchery, you know, and you can, you can read that to kids, just tell them, well, that's really bad. But it has fits of rage. It has dissensions. It has cliques. It has um, things that kids do wrong. And often their behavior is in there. It's the fruits of the flesh. And I've often just said, well, have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior? No. Well, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. No wonder you're, 
you're not naturally gentle or self-controlled or you don't have patience or you weren't being kind. All these fruits of the Spirit, we're, we're expecting um, spirit-like behavior mm-hmm. from a child who does not have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, um, and it's been so fun to walk that child back into a classroom. The teacher's like, well, did you give them a good talking to? <laughs> you know, I mean, you see that in their eyes. And, uh, and of course, they're not thinking that in a bad way because you have wonderful teachers. Um, but to be able to walk back into that classroom and to say, you know, little Barney just gave his life to Christ. And he asked the Holy Spirit to begin to develop the fruit of the Spirit in his life to help him with his behavior. And a lot of times the teacher's jaw drops because, like, that never occurred to them. So we have to remember that leading kids to Christ is what we're about. We're not about well-behaved kids. We're not about great programs. We're not about attendance. Um, we're all a children's evangelist. Some are blessed to get to do it full-time like you and and travel around mm-hmm. and do it in large settings to, to throw wide nets. Um, but I think we both know of a teacher by name. You're going to figure out who I'm talking about in a second who was so passionate about his small class and wanting to make sure every single one of them knew Christ, that he chased them down. And he chased one down to his place of work, because this was in an age when kids worked, and uh, made sure that kid understood the gospel. In fact, he'd written in his journal, of all my students, this student shows the least potential for the kingdom of God. You know what teacher I'm talking about, sure. don't you? What was his name? His name is Dwight L. Moody. Well, what was his teacher's name? Do you remember? Oh, um, Kimball? Edward Kimball. And uh, not a famous man other than the fact that he's the Sunday school teacher who led D.L. Moody to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the stories of his life influenced both of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, but Edward Kimball is the man who said, I'm going to make sure every kid in my class knows Christ. So I think that's the challenge to our listeners. Um, don't worry about kids' crusades. Don't worry about giant evangelistic events. If you have six kids in your class, you're a children's evangelist to those six kids. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we represent the gospel to them. And I think it's really critical yeah. that we understand it well ourselves and we can represent it to kids. You know, you mentioned the Born Again Birthday book a little while ago. Um, there's another follow-up piece that I think deserves to be mentioned here, and that's uh, Awesome Adventure. It's a whole series where you can actually... In, in 13 lessons, actually sit down and explain a lot of the things that help a child to grow in their new faith. And you can do this one-on-one or in a small group or in a, in a, in a class. Um, but it really sets the tone for helping a child to get really started in their Christian life. It introduces them a lot of things of what the Bible's about. So Born Again Birthday Book, I, I recommend it highly as being the first step. But I also recommend Awesome Adventures being the next step. Yeah, well, thanks for mentioning that. And the first lesson in there is a review of the gospel, My Awesome mm-hmm. God. And then it goes from there on prayer and Bible study and yeah. service. And, well, I hope uh, you'll mention that in your show notes because I think I think having a package of things ready is really, really, really important. Because if God gives you some boys and girls to come to know him, you've got to be ready to handle it. They're not going to wait four weeks for you to order all this stuff and get it in the mail, you know, whenever. Uh, you need to have it handy so you can respond quick. Yeah. And you gotta get get with parents and begin to start partnering with them about the salvation decision their child has made yeah. and help them so in, grow. In the immediate, you give them that born again birthday book. You meet with the parents, and then and then you can leave them with that awesome adventure and say, "Now here's something you can go through with your mom and dad that'll really ground you uh-huh. um, in the faith going forward." And depending on the spiritual condition of moms and dads, might determine whether they go through it with their child or whether. Uh, someone else like yourself or the ch- or one of the Sunday school teachers sure. uh, goes through it with a child. 
I, I, my mom and dad probably wouldn't have gone through any booklet with me, but they surely didn't have any problem with my neighbor doing it. And so uh, I had, she had permission to influence me, and it was okay with my mom and dad. So that may be the case of some boys and girls that get into your care, is that you either have to be a surrogate parent to them spiritually, or whether they, you work with a mom and dad because of their faith and their strong commitment, or maybe you're helping a grandparent that knows Christ to work with their grandchild. Uh, whatever that, that condition is, is the way in our culture that you would be able to be very, very, very successful in influencing another generation of kids for spiritually. Awesome. Well, as we wrap things up, is there, is there just a story that sticks out in your mind of a child that you got to lead to Christ? It could be recently. It could be mm -hmm. one that just is a gem from years ago. That just is just one of those really neat opportunities that you had. Yeah, there were a couple of girls. They're, uh, they were twins. And uh, they're both about 11 years old. And I don't, somehow they stayed after church and missed the bus ride home. And so I offered to take them home. It's downtown Los Angeles. Uh, to be really honest with you, I probably wouldn't do this today. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what happened was, as I asked the girls if they, if they if didn't mind if I drove them, they knew me and the family knew me, but... Um, I drove them home, and as we were driving, I was reviewing the lesson for the morning, which was on salvation and inviting Christ to come into your life. And so I asked them point blank, have you, either of you ever asked Jesus to come into your life? And they both said no. Well, by the time I got to their house, I stopped my car in front of their house and proceeded to pray with the two girls in the car and led them to Christ right there. Well, I didn't know the mother, of course, wondered what we were doing, and she was concerned about her, their, her kids being in a car. And um, so I finished praying with them, and they got out of the car and went back in the house, and I never heard the story of what happened afterwards. Forty years later, 40 years later, I, am, I know life has moved on. I've lost track of these kids. They're grown. So they both became nurses, and they both lived in Phoenix, Arizona, or in Tucson, Arizona, I should say. And uh, one day, one of the nurses, Debbie, the, one of the twins, asked, um, was asked, um, there was a canard that was actually in the hospital, and she re that reminded her of my name, and she asked them if I, they knew me, and that, that canard was a distant relative of mine, but I didn't know it that they were a relative, and they had heard of my father, and he thought and she, he thought that I was from Oregon, but it was my dad they were remembering. And um, so she looked my name up on the internet, found me, emailed me, and I found out her life story as a result. Now we're very, very good friends. I've taken a number of mission trips with Debbie and her sister, and um, it's a great story of how God did come into their lives, and they're still living for Christ now. Wow. And that was a real treat to find that out. This is one of many stories that I've heard, you know, where I've led several years ago, led somebody to Christ, and they encounter me again somehow. That happened to us at a Children's Pastors Conference Kelge gathering uh, a couple of years ago oh, where we man. were there. Remember that? And I do remember. And this lady said, Barney! And, uh, but we won't, we won't take any more time. I just want to close with my favorite story. I'd I, I like to share this uh, briefly just because it's one that our listeners will be able to use themselves. Um, in their own teacher trainings and it's a very short simple parable and some of you may have heard it before but the story just goes that you know there was an old man and a young boy and they were walking along the beach and uh, together uh, just just enjoying some time maybe it was a grandfather and uh, and his grandson um, but the tide started to go out 
And uh, as the tide went out, um, the, the shore was just filled with hundreds of starfish um, that would just get trapped on the, on the shore. And the little boy, just out of curiosity, asked um, the old fellow, uh, what happens to the, to the starfish? And the old man, in his years of knowledge and experience, he said, well, unfortunately, the sun comes out and bakes them and they, they die. And that's, that's where we get you know, starfish souvenirs from. The little boy was just brokenhearted at this, so he immediately ran down to the shore and began to pick up starfish and fling them back out into the water to save their lives. And um, the old fellow kind of chuckled because his meager efforts, um, you know, looking at just starfish along the shore as far as the eye could see. Um, but he worked his way down to the little boy just as he had picked up one and was about to throw it. He, he stopped him and he said, uh, uh, young man, you do realize that there, there's no way you can save all these starfish. And the little boy finished his throw, threw the starfish, and after kerplopped in the water, he said, no, you're right, I can't save them all, but I just made a difference in that one's life. And I've always loved that story because um, as we read stats and uh, watch the news and we hear about the plight of children in our country and around the world, it can be easy to become overwhelmed and to think, oh, what, what can I do? There's just, there's just so many children and the need is so great. Um, but God isn't asking us to save them all. You know, he's asking us to be an Edward Kimball. He's asking us to be willing to reach down and just pick up the ones near us. Mm -hmm. and, and if we answer that call and we take that seriously and we get out of our admin and our Facebook and our Twitter and our voicemails and, and the, the grunt work of our ministry and we make time to lead kids to Christ and to disciple kids, you know, like that little boy, we're going to be able to say, no, I can't save them all. But I made a difference in that one's life. And I think that's... Uh, well, the scriptures say, you know, he that wins souls is wise. And I think it is wise. It, it's just a, a part of wisdom to help people come to know the reality of Jesus in their life. And I think we need, we need to be responsible for that. All right. Well, thank you for your time. And we thank look you. forward to uh, connecting with you more. And those of you who would like to have a coach uh, help you grow in your skills as a children's pastor or a children's evangelist and as an all-around uh, ministry leader. Be sure to check out Kenology Coaching and perhaps Barney or one of our other coaches um, could help you take your ministry up to the, to the next level. Um, until next time, this is Kidman Talk and we thank you for listening. And as always, we would love to hear from you either through Twitter at Kidman Talk. You could email me, carl at kidmantalk.com. But especially, we would love to hear your interaction in the forum discussion directly related to this podcast. Share your favorite gospel presentation, story, magic trick, object lesson, or a great story you have about a kid that you got to lead to Christ. It's all linked in the show notes. So until next time, this is Carl on Kidman Talk. <laughs>